take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, looking at verses 39 through 47 uh, together this morning, uh, though there will be some uh, overlap uh, from last week's. We're looking at the true children of Abraham part 2. We've been studying the Gospel of John together on Sunday mornings, and we're nearing the end of a longer conversation Jesus has been having with the Jewish religious leaders, in which he's been challenging their understanding of their relationship with Abraham, and therefore also as they understand it with God, and even as Jesus understands it, as he is unpacking this to them. And so we continue with this conversation this morning in the verses that I mentioned just a moment ago. And if I could have you stand just one more time this morning as I read God's Word aloud and you follow along. John chapter 8, starting in verse 39. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle John writes, They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your, fa- uh, your father did. And they said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If, you were, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. You may be seated. That is the word of God in the New Testament reading. May he bless it both in the old and new. Would you join me once again in prayer? This morning, uh, Lord, we come to a very sobering passage in your word. And because we believe in the inspiration of your word in the original autographs, we know that these very difficult and sobering and heavy passages are, Lord, meant for us because you wrote them uh, through your servants uh, down for those who would read them in the past and those who would read them today. And so we ask by your Spirit who inspired these in the original autographs that you would illuminate our eyes to an understanding of these truths and an application of them as well. Lord, may you open the eyes for the first time of unbelievers in our midst. May you, by your Spirit, draw them to yourself and take their stony heart and replace it with a stone of flesh and grant them the gift of repentance and faith, we pray. And Lord, may those of us who are in Christ today see how we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as we study this passage together. And we thank you for the truth that is contained within And Lord, may we share the truth of your word with others, both encouraging our brothers and sisters, as well as calling sinners to repentance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In a recent comedy act, Jim Gaffigan says he's figured out that there are two socially acceptable times to lie. Number one, to spare someone's feeling, their feelings, and number two, to cover up a murder. 
He says, when we discover someone's a murderer, we also learn they've done some fibbing. But we tend to focus on the murder part. You never hear someone say, I'm angry that he killed that guy, but frankly, I'm more upset about the lying. It's the dishonesty that bothers me. Uh, Of course, Jim Gaffigan is joking when he says this because we would tend to focus upon the murder, but he's right. There is a, a component of this that requires lying. Of course, there's a lot of sin that goes into taking someone's life. It's the juxtaposition of lying over against the murder that makes it so funny. But we know ultimately that it is true. And it's interesting that this observation should be made by someone like Jim Gaffigan, a comedian, because it is truth that Jesus even draws out in this passage today, that you cannot separate murder from lying and therefore not separate the heart of that that has to do with one being essentially what he says, a child of the devil. The Pharisees are claiming to be Abraham's heirs, and by implication, therefore, children of God. But Jesus points out that they are in their hearts lying murderers, and they are doing the works of their true father, the devil, and not the works of Abraham, who had faith, and a faith, as we will see, that works itself out in real time. Here's the main point this morning. It's written for you on the back of your worship folder or in the notes that were sent to you via email if you're checking in on the live stream. Only those who believe in the Son of God are truly Abraham's heirs. And I want to add something to that that I should have added earlier when I sent this in to Lori. And it is seen in their lives. Only those who believe in the Son of God are truly Abraham's heirs. And you can add this part if you want. I would encourage you to, and it is seen in their lives. I want us to see this morning three types of children identified by three characteristics. Three types of children identified by three characteristics. Number one is Abraham's children do the works of Abraham. Abraham's children do the works of Abraham. Look with me again at verse 39 and read through the very first part of 41. They answered him... Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now, in in other words, in opposition to the works that Abraham did, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. The response of the Jewish leaders here in this first verse um, is to, uh, to Jesus' statement hinting about their true father in 838, and, and they are now doubling down. Look at what it says in verse 38. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They're now doubling down on the fact that they're claiming that Abraham is their father. If you recall from last week, the true children of Abraham part one, this is the case that they are trying to make. And so we learned from our study last week that one who is a physical heir of Abraham is not necessarily one who is spiritually related to him, and it certainly does not guarantee it. That's what uh, Paul teaches in Romans chapter 9. Is all Israel Israel? No, it's those who are of faith, those who are of the same uh, offspring of Abraham by faith, not by physicality. It does not guarantee it. We sort of 
talked about the fact that our lineage, our heritage, does not guarantee that we are in Christ. Jesus, once again, goes after the heart of the issue. If you were Abraham's children, you would be working as Abraham worked. And we recall from last week as well the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was counted as righteousness. God's covenant with Abraham, we looked at last week in Genesis chapter 15, uh, when he uh, gives this sort of second part of his covenant to Abraham, speaking about this seed. And he says, uh, the, the author there, Moses, says that Abraham believed God and it was counted him as righteousness, counted to him as righteousness. Uh, in other words, uh, the faith that Abraham had, that he took God at his word, uh, was something that uh, was commended to him, not because of him, but because of God's grace, as righteousness in his account. And we talked about how this righteousness comes through Christ. It was a um, uh, proleptic. It was something that was yet to occur. But when it did occur in the new covenant, when Jesus died, the righteousness that he imparts and imputes to believers was also that which uh, Abraham was saved by, though it was yet to happen. Listen to what Galatians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9 says about Abraham's faith. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham, and now he quotes from Genesis 15, the Apostle Paul does, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It was reckoned into his account. It was imputed to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. This is again Paul speaking. And you can't help but think that Paul is echoing exactly what Jesus says here in our passage today. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. So there's that whole concept of um, seeing ahead that Jesus would die for sinners. Preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying... In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That's all from Galatians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. Uh, Paul has put on display the theology we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks. Now, one of the other things that we learn in this very passage that Jesus speaks about is that those who are uh, truly in that lineage of Abraham by faith also have a faith that works also has a faith that works. His faith, Abraham's faith, was proven in obedience. In Genesis chapter 22, we remember uh, that God calls upon Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, and that in so doing, Abraham shows that he believes God. In fact, Hebrews speaks of the fact that um, he, he believed that God was able to raise him from the dead, if need be, if that was God's promise. God said, this is the son. I'm not giving you another son. This is the son. And Abraham, by faith, in obedient faith, takes his son to the top of the mountain, believing that God could even raise his son, his one and only son, from the dead. Does that sound like something? <laughs> Sounds like the gospel. James chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, says this about Abraham's faith. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scriptures were fulfilled, saying, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. 
Now, are James and Paul in opposition to one another? When James says that Abraham's faith was completed by doing the work, by believing God and taking his son to the top of the mountain, though he does not kill him, he was willing to, he says that this is a proof, essentially, of Abraham's faith when he did this. James is saying that Abraham's faith was proven by obedience. Those to whom Jesus is speaking in this passage had not followed in Abraham's faith or his faith working itself out. Rather, he said, they were seeking to kill him. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. So he first speaks of Abraham's faith that he trusted. He, he, he took God at his word. But he also speaks of that faith working itself out in obedience. Now, let me just pause for a moment for a theological point. We're not saying that you must work in order to be accepted by God. What we are saying is that those who are accepted by God, by faith in Christ, accepted because, uh, because of Christ, their faith works itself out. There's something that accompanies that. We talked about that last week. The reformers spoke of uh, faith alone, but faith never being alone. That we are saved by faith alone. But faith is never alone. Faith works itself out. That's essentially what James is talking about in all of James chapter 2. But these to whom Jesus is speaking, they have, never, they have not followed in Abraham's faith, nor his faith working itself out. In fact, Jesus says, rather than that, rather than following in the works of Abraham, you seek to kill me. You seek to kill me. They are on a mission to take Jesus' life. And he says, you seek to kill this kind of a person. You seek to kill a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. A man who has told the truth heard from God. Man here is the idea and, and, and the concept of what we've been talking about in Christ's incarnation. That Jesus was the eternal Son of God, is the eternal Son of God. And at a point in time, He puts on humanity, becoming the God-man. And what does it mean that He heard from God? The implication in light of being from God, as He has previously said, and He will state again that He is bringing and doing what God has said for Him to do. And He said, this is not what Abraham did. Abraham did not seek to put the seed to death, if you will. Abraham, he says later in this passage, rejoiced knowing that the day of Messiah was coming. There's an evidence of Abraham's belief in God manifested in his obedience. Abraham, we know, by no means was perfect, but the direction of his life was one of faithfulness. Uh, Keep your finger in John chapter 8 and turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. I referenced it briefly a moment ago, but let's look at it together. Hebrews chapter 11. And look with me, if you would, at verse 8. Look at what it says immediately. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Now, we notice something there. The faith comes before obedience. It's not obedience that leads to faith. It is an obedient faith, yes, but it is a faith that drives obedience. He believes God has counted him as righteousness, and then he lives that out. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. 
By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Now listen to this. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham's ultimate destiny, he knows, is not a strip of land in the Middle East. It is a heavenly country. In fact, it is indeed the heavens coming down to earth. He was looking for that heavenly city. Verse 11, by faith, by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. In one sense, we have to understand this promise as the physical fulfillment in regard to the children of Israel. But did you hear the words in Genesis chapter uh, uh, 17 that Brett read this morning? It was that of the nations that would be born from Abraham's loins. The nations, plural. Not just the nation, but those who would come to be heirs of Abraham in faith, by the Spirit, in a spiritual sense. And then we can turn back to John chapter 8. Jesus then drops a hint about who their true father is and something he will expand on in a minute. He says, you are doing the works not of Abraham, you're doing the works that your fathers did. Your father, I'm sorry, did. For those of us who sit here today, the question we need to ask is, are we the true children of Abraham? In other words, are we those who have followed in the steps of Abraham, heirs of the promise concerning the coming seed who would crush the serpent's head, heirs according to faith, taking God at his word, trusting in what we know today as the fullness of that promise, the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God who came from glory, put on humanity, lived a life we could not live, died a death that we deserved, receiving the justice of a holy triune God we deserved and being raised three days later. This is the only way in which we are reconciled to God and God unites us to Christ and gives us his Holy Spirit. If so, are we those who also follow in the obedient faith of Abraham as displayed in his life? Not in perfection. He was not perfect, but in direction. Taking God at his word. For those who have rejected the God of Abraham, my call to you this morning is to hear this truth, this gospel truth, and to repent and believe the gospel. You know, it's a little bit of a speculation, but perhaps Jesus is only able to say part of what he means to say because the Jews cut him off with their extremely distasteful con uh, comment about his parentage, as we'll see in our next point. But that is where it leads us. Secondly, God's children love the Son. God's children love the Son. Jesus says in verse 41, you are doing the work your father did. They said to him, maybe even just cutting him off here, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. As indicated earlier in this very chapter, it's possible that what the Pharisees hint at in verse 19 comes to full fruition here. 
which is they believe that Jesus to be is of illegitimate birth. Based on what they say later in verse 48, they may also be implying that they believe Jesus' birth is not only illegitimate, but perhaps the details are hidden because they think he is Samaritan, a half-breed. This may just be a pejorative statement later on, but they might be implying that they think he is not even truly Jewish. They may be using that illustratively, but they may be saying it actually. Perhaps your birth was hidden because you were not of true Jewish descent. This may also be surmised by the fact that they talk about their parentage as being of God, true Jews, not Samaritan, who Jews would not see as legitimately Jewish. Jesus ultimately calls into question the veracity of their belief that they are actually God's children. Look at verse 42. By the way, notice the fact that Jesus did not defend himself here about his physical birth. He continues to go back to speaking of where he comes from and who he comes from, God the Father. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, taking their very words, if God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but from him who sent me. If you were God's children, he says, first of all, you would love me. Two reasons for that love, because number one, if you love God, I come from him and now I am here. Number two, I do not come of my own accord. He sent me. Therefore, if you understood what I was telling you about who I am, you would actually uh, respond the same way as he says in the passage we'll look at next week that Abraham responded. He rejoiced to see my day. If you loved God, you would love that I am here and you would love me because I come from God and he sent me. Uh, Again, we see this intra-Trinitarian response, uh, the relations as we call them, the eternal relations of the Godhead. The Father uh, is the one from who eternally the Son proceeds and the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And the Son is sent just as He uh, comes from the Father eternally. He is sent in space and time into this incarnated existence. I am sent from Him. I'm not sent of my own accord. This is the Trinitarian plan. And here I am. Interesting again that we see this language over and over and over again used of Jesus. I am, I am, I am. Consistently pointing back to the fact that He is Yahweh, God. Jesus then gives the reason they can't understand what He is saying. Being that they cannot bear to hear His word. Look at what it says. Jesus said to them, I'm sorry, uh, verse 43, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. It's not as if they cannot hear what he is saying, but they cannot accept it. In line with the language used elsewhere in the Gospels, they do not have ears to hear. Remember that phrase that Jesus uses, let him who has ears to hear understand. Let him who has ears to hear, hear. What does that mean? They're, they're standing there listening. They can hear what he is saying, but he's talking about the fact that they are able to accept it and understand it. They cannot understand these words because these words are spiritually appraised. And these who believed in him in verse 31 are still dead in their trespasses and sins. We remember that. We go back to that idea that there were those who said that they, or, or those who it seemed like were believing in him, 
but they cannot bear to hear his words because they are not truly in him. They are dead in their trespasses and sins. So the question this morning, for those who sit in our midst, who have never trusted Christ, do you have ears to hear? Are you one who listens and does, or do you listen and reject Are you one who hears these words as they come from the Scriptures and they fall on deaf ears and you are not trusting? Therefore, you are not one who has been given the righteousness of Christ. Or are you one who hears these words and remembers and relishes in the grace of God and His goodness and are reminded, oh yes, it is by the grace of God, by His mercy, that I am in Christ, that I am reconciled to him. I do have ears to hear, and I do love Jesus, and I do want to live as Abraham lived with an obedient faith. One would be careful in light of the answer to that question to pay attention to what Jesus says here to the Pharisees as we see in our final point. Jesus now comes to the bottom line. The devil's children will do what he desires. Look at verse 44. He's already said in verse 42, if God were your father, but he now tells them who their father is. Verse 44, you are the father of, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. This is the truth. There are two types of people in the world only. Those who are children of God and those who are children of the devil. Those are the two choices. There is no neutral ground. You are either a child of God by saving faith, that redeemed child of God, or you are a child of the devil. There's a whole study around the line of Cain, the murderer of Abel, his brother, and the distinction of the line of Seth. The idea of two lines expressed typically in the language of those who are God's children, the line of Seth, and those who are opposed to God, the children of the devil, the sons of Cain. And what is Cain? Cain is a liar and a murderer of course this characteristic is not true of all who are in Cain's line or in Seth's line but a general statement regarding the direction of two people groups in the Old Testament those who are of God and those who are of Satan Jesus says those who are standing before him they are of their father the devil why does he say this Because they are plotting to murder Jesus. They are plotting to murder Jesus. What he says. He was a murderer. Middle of verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. He does not speak the truth. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. What is the most pernicious lie of Satan? It's the one from the garden. Has God really said? That's That's the root lie of all lies that we tell ourselves or others tell us or we tell others. Has God really said They are in step with this. 
They lie about Jesus. They don't believe him. Look at what it says in verse 45. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. What is he saying? I am speaking truth to you. And that very fact is the reason you don't believe me. Because you are of your father, the devil, who is a liar. They can't even believe the truth. They refuse to. And they are unable to. And then notice what Jesus says there. Verse 46. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? In other words, can you say, as I have been speaking these things, that I have spoken a lie? You can't convict me of sin. The things that I am saying are true. It's a rhetorical question. Let me turn this back upon you. Why then can you not receive it? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? And then once again, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason that you do not hear them is that you are not of God. This is a crucial point in our text this morning. Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The implication is to hear with understanding and belief. They do not believe him. So you have two uh, opposing sides here, do you not? You have the religious leaders, the Pharisees, to whom Jesus is speaking. And he's saying... You either are of God and hear this and are of the truth. Or you are not of God and you are of your father, the devil who is a liar and a murderer. Guess which one you are. You're not following in the footsteps of Abraham, who you claim as your father. And he, you may be physical descendants of his, which they were. But you are not spiritual heirs of, of his. He walked obediently. He believed the Lord, trusted him, and it worked out in his life. They do not believe him. Therefore, they do not hear the words of God. And the reason they do not hear is because they are not of God. It's interesting when you think about the things that are said later in Scripture, later in the sense of uh, chronologically from what Jesus says here in John, though John was actually written later, but we think about something like 1 Corinthians where what does Paul say? People who are not spiritual cannot understand spiritual things. They are spiritually appraised, and if you are not one who is in Christ, you cannot make sense of these things. You ever, you ever notice that? In conversations with those who you're proclaiming the gospel to, those who you're having conversations with about the Lord, you say something that is very obvious to you and the unregenerate cannot grasp it. They cannot make sense of it. You say, it's right there. I can read it and understand it. And yet they are unable. What does the scripture say about the father of the spirit of this age, he has darkened their eyes. He has darkened their understanding. Now again, we must think about people as not neutral, but either those who are 
still dead in their trespasses and sins or those who have been regenerated by God through his grace, by his spirit. What do we understand in that situation? If they are dead in their trespasses and sins, they cannot receive it. They cannot understand it. They cannot appraise it spiritually because they are spiritually dead. And being in that state, we kind of have this question about what does it mean that he's blinded their eyes? Does that mean that they could see otherwise? No, they are already in that state and the father of lies continues to harden their hearts. They're already hardened hearts. Their already blind eyes are made more blind. They cannot hear him and understand him and accept him because they are not of God. Believers, if you are in Christ this morning, hear God's word. Reject the lies of the devil through the world and live for him. And we are constantly having lies thrown at us. That lie of has God really said is the challenge that we face every time we're tempted to sin. Is it not? Has God really said that there is more enjoyment in obedience than in sin? There, there is. He has. Christ said, I come to give life and that more abundantly. Obedience to Christ is love for Him and it's joy for us. So we are always on guard, are we not? Against that lie. Has God really said? And we open the Scriptures and we say, we can spiritually praise these things. And yes, He has really said. Live for Him. Find joy in that. Point your fellow believers to these truths. Point them to Christ. Especially as it, cons- as it concerns the local assembly here. Be involved in each other's lives. Uh, point each other to truth. Listen, if you're struggling this morning, don't think the only person you can turn to is uh, the, the, the pastors, the elders. You can, absolutely And we love that. We love to point you to truth. But we are more than likely going to to say, you need to connect with this person. Or who is it that you're connected to? And and walk together through these things. Perhaps one of the lies of the devil has captured you and you are wrestling against sin and you are finding that you are defeated more often than not. Take heart. Paul says that that's what he struggles with in Romans chapter 7. But also know that you need one another. Point each other to truth. And I do encourage you, if you're struggling, please come and see us. And we want to counsel you and, 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 and put other believers in your life that can continue to encourage you to walk faithfully with the Lord. And then lastly, if you are one who has rejected God's truth and believed the lie of the devil... My call to you today is to repent and believe. Hear these words again. The truth is, Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who came from the Father, put on humanity, lived a perfect life that you could not live, died the death that you deserved, receiving the justice of God upon the cross for the sake of sinners. Three days later, rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father, sitting down showing that the work was finished until he comes again. My call to you is to turn from your sin and trust in Christ alone. Listen to what he says here in, these, in this passage. 
He either is who he says he is or he's, he's the liar. And he says he is truth. My call to you, repent and believe. Let's pray. Lord, this morning as we have studied your word, we understand that those of us who are in Christ are to have our, our, our faith strengthened this morning, Lord. Uh, and, and, and by way of even this sort of negative message, in a sense, that we are to not believe the lies of the chief liar, but we are to submit to the truth of our Lord. And so, Lord, as those who are in Christ today, I pray that we would seek to live lives of faithfulness, not to earn favor with you, but because Christ has died in our stead, and he is the faithful one, and we live as he lived, even as we see evidenced in the life of Abraham and his obedience by faith to you. Lord, let us live in that way. Lord, you bring joy and fulfillment in that. So help us to not believe the lie that says it can be found anywhere else, especially as we think about those places where we're tempted most. And Lord, for those who do not know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that you would break through their stony heart, Lord, that you would bring them to new life in Christ, that they would be granted repentance and faith and believe in you. Lord, may they speak with me or speak with another person sitting around them that they might understand what it means to trust in Christ. And Lord, we do long for your return. (laughs) What a joy to see you face to face to see the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. What a joy that will be. So we ask, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.